0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we only exist because you speak. We are because you are. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak now. Again, you'd speak. Speak and bring life, speak and breathe life speak and create realities in our lives for the world that mean good. And all of it for the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So there was this really great song uh, written in 1974 by a young woman, a college graduate, recent college graduate, who was just trying to offer a composition to keep up with the composition group she was a part of somewhere in California. The song actually did pretty well. She's not from around here, but the song made it all of the way here, and we have been singing it for the last 40 years, and now actually hundreds into the thousands and actually millions of people are singing it right now in China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. Have you heard of the protests in Hong Kong? Millions of people singing, sing Alleluia to the Lord as a plea for refuge, as an announcement of freedom, and as a song of praise. So I thought maybe uh, we could join them uh, today. We're, we're gonna, you'll, you'll catch on very quickly. We're going to sing it in a sort of round. I think that's what they call that. The guys are going to follow Jonathan. Women are going to follow Miranda and Kennedy. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome.
1: We'll, we'll sing it once uh, with, with no round, uh, just to get the melody, and then we'll, we'll hop in. It goes like this. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. The round is going to be easy. It's going to be great. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Women will begin. Guys, follow me. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah. To the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord. All right, you can go now. That that was great. Well done. So
0: this is the third. Oh, we might sing that again, by the way. Uh, Be ready. This is the third in a a three-week set of Sundays. Pillar is celebrating. Uh, the anniversary of its reestablishment, reestablished seven years ago, you heard the story of the chains and the axe handles, the lawsuit, uh, reestablished as a duly affiliated congregation of the Reformed Church in America and the Christian Reformed Church in North America. It would be a colossal misunderstanding of our story to think that there we did it. We only did it so that we could be about the larger reconciling purpose of God in the world until finally, one day, all things. I'm talking about all things, are reconciled back to God. One day, finally, all things will be made new. New. That's what we're in for. That's why you're here. That's what this is about. God is going to make all things new. Think about that, freshmen. You've been on campus for just over two weeks now and done some things you wished you hadn't done. They say that the first three or four weeks of your college education will set the trajectory for all four or five socially and academically. What if this is true? See I'm making all things new. Uh, Think about that, concerned citizen, worried about the nature of discourse in our country, civil discourse. (laughs) History will suggest we're just going to keep arguing, we're just going to keep blaming, we're just going to keep pointing, we're just going to keep posting. What if this is true? See, I'm making all things new. What if this is true? Spouse whose beloved is increasingly distant, increasingly absent, increasingly emotionally disconnected, and no number of podcasts and marriage books seem to be doing the trick. Can this be true? See, I'm making all things new. Revelation 21.5, it's Jesus announcing, standing in eternity, announcing over time, I'm making all things new. And if you think I'm taking that verse out of context and too seriously, how about the prophet Isaiah who says, see, I'm about to do a new thing. Or the apostle Paul who says, anyone who is in Christ is new. That's what you're in for. That's what this is about. So listen with me to a story of God doing a new thing. It's a good story. It's a true story. Listen to the story so that we might find our footing in this all thing new reality God is accomplishing. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no... Herb of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet grown up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God placed the man in a garden in Eden in the east. And the Lord God formed out of the ground every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden. There it divides into four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah. There's gold in that land. The gold of that land is good delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is the Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the name of the fourth is the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the garden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it's not good. That man should be alone. I'll make a helper as his partner. So the Lord God, out of the ground, caused to grow every animal of the field and bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creatures, that was its name. The man named the cattle and the birds of the air. And the animals of the field, but for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon the man, and he slept. And the Lord God took from the man a rib and closed up its place with flesh. And out of the rib the Lord God had taken from the man, he formed the woman. And the Lord God brought the woman to the man, and the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man she came. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Genesis 2. Uh, We're we're starting today a a rapid leap through the entirety of the Old Testament. It's going to be fast. And why not begin where it all begins? If we want to find our way into the all things new reality God is accomplishing in the world, notice this, it's personal, it's particular, sometimes it's painful, and it's always good. And then we'll come to the table. The all-things-new reality God is accomplishing in the world is personal. We love to leave God as a distant abstraction. God out there. God somewhere. The critique in our cultural moment is practical atheism. We'll talk about God, we'll say we believe in God, but we live like God doesn't exist. He's just an abstraction, just an out there. We use big words to talk about God that nobody understands and and confusing concepts that we throw around And actually, in fact, there's good reason for that. I mean, after all, the the prophet Isaiah said, Your ways are higher than our ways, O Lord. So it's probably good to be a little confused every now and then. And the apostle Paul agreed. Who has known the mind of the Lord? So it's probably okay to to be a little stymied every once in a while. But we can't leave God out there somewhere immutable, omnipotent, incommunicable. All of those things may be true of God, but this is also true of God. God chooses to be known. God chooses to be personal. God shows up up. God available. The word for God, if you don't mind, Genesis 1. You heard Genesis 2. In Genesis 1, the word for God is Elohim. Just for the joy of it, you want to say it with me? Elohim. Elohim. That's the Hebrew word for God. God is repeated over and over and over in Genesis 1, Elohim. Genesis 1 is the story of the big cosmic creation. God, Elohim, winks and light happens. Elohim, Whispers and land and water cooperate. Elohim speaks and animals crawl out of the ground. Elohim, the big God of creation. In contrast to Genesis 2, the second creation story, where the name for God is Elohim Yahweh. Want to try that one? Elohim Yahweh. Yahweh, the personal name for God. God available now, not just the distant deity making things, but the God who shows up, the God who stoops down, the God who bends the knee, the God who gets his hands dirty, if you know what I'm saying, the God who formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed, imagine that, God with his mouth over the nostrils of the first man, breathing life into existence, intimacy, availability, presence, Elohim, Yahweh, the personal name for God, the Lord God. Yahweh in Hebrew becomes Ego me in Greek, and guess who? Just take a wild guess who refers to himself multiple times as ego a me. You come on! It's the Sunday school answer, and it's right every time. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus stoops down. Jesus bends the knee. Jesus with his hands dirty. The personal God available now. The personal God known now. If you leave God as a distant abstraction, let me invite you today into relationship with the God of personal, Jesus Christ. Elohim Yahweh Ego Jesus Christ. The all things new reality God is accomplishing in the world is personal and it's particular. Were you a sort of I don't know if the word is confused or at least interested as, as I was in all of the place names in Genesis 2. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divides and, and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It's the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah where there's gold and the gold. Why do we need to know any of this? Just get on with the good stuff. You know? Because It's particular. It shows up. It's local. It's on the corner of Pishon and Gihon, just east of Assyria. You can find it on a map. The big all-things-new reality God is accomplishing in the world shows up here, shows up now, not just somewhere else doing something else, but in your life, your neighborhood, your living room. 57 East 10th Street, Voorhees. 8th Street, your office, your living room, your neighborhood. It's particular. So Pillar reestablished itself seven years ago. Duly affiliated congregation uh, committed to reconciling divisions, raising up leaders, redeeming the city, and renewing the church. And in a certain way, you could say, there, we did it. It's done now. And that would be an absolute misunderstanding of our story. We didn't become duly affiliated so that we could pat each other on the back, high-five, and say, good job, team. Let's move a few pews around. We did it so we could participate in the thing God still wants to do, still wants to do among us. It's particular. It's in your neighborhood, your life. Uh, Chris Rice and Emmanuel Katangale wrote a book titled Reconciling All Things. The speed of reconciliation, and i I think they'd agree that the speed of the gospel meets a wall when it's measured by what is nearest to us, when we see the task as being reconciled within our own homes, families, and congregations. Somehow the world can be so busy talking about a global vision for overcoming violence, yet we cannot fix the relationships in our own lives or find healing with an alienated relative or even overcome our own anger towards those who have wounded us. So here's the thing, here's the deal. Let's stop talking about racial reconciliation in our country if you're not going to be about it here. Let's stop talking about refugees and immigration reform if you're not going to open the doors of your own home to the person who needs a place to stay. Let's stop talking about the glass ceiling on women in our country if you're not going to do something about the glass ceiling now. It's always particular. Are you mad at me? I got a book this week from somebody. Normally when that happens, I don't read them, just so you know. (laughs) It's titled Scattered and Gathered. Uh, When mission is abstract, disconnected from particular places and particular people, then it always seems intimidating. But when people accept that God has placed them in their specific circumstance, at least at this time, then they're able to explore more freely what mission might look like because it's particular. It's local. It, show, it has an address. You can find it on a map. The all things new reality God is accomplishing in the world is personal, particular, and sometimes it's painful. I would love to tell you otherwise. I would love to tell you that when, when, you're, when you're pursuing God's will, everything goes well for you. Everything will be easy for you Everything will go just fine, and it's not true. Sometimes it's painful. It's painful. We run from pain. We hide from pain. We do everything we can to alleviate the pain. Marriage is tough, so I eat a lot. Finances are tight, so I drink a lot. Anxieties are high, so I busy myself with activity. Running, 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 hiding from the pain. Leave me alone, pain. What if if pain is not evidence God has abandoned, God has forgotten, God doesn't care, there is no God. What if pain is the very thing God uses to do the new? Could that be Think about this. We can anesthetize Genesis 2 if you'd like. We can leave it on flannel graph in the Sunday school room, or we can read it as it's written. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs. How do you suppose that felt? And closed... I imagine the man screams, shouts, yells, yells, God punctures the chest cavity of the man. That's what it said. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is the Eugene Peterson version. He punctures the chest cavity of the man, gets his divine hand a good grip around the rib, snaps it, rips it out, blood dripping, sinews hanging, and out of that rib he makes the woman. It's out of that pain that something new happens. Creation happens. Don't run from the pain. Don't hide from the. P- I know it hurts. It might also be the very thing God is using to do the new in you. Oh, wait. Didn't Jesus say, my power is made perfect in weakness? And didn't Paul say, suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, endurance and endurance character and character hope? Don't run. Don't hide. Uh, Eugene Peterson, since I misappropriately quoted him earlier, Uh, Wrote a poem titled, The Pain. All pain is prelude to symphony, to sweetness. The pearl began as a pain in the oyster's stomach. Dogwood, recycled from cradle to cross, enters the market again, a yoke for easing burdens. Each sword-open side is the matrix for God to come to me again, this time through travail, for joy. Don't run from the pain. I can remember when our daughter Tabitha was born. Uh, She's 11 now, she's awesome. It was so painful. I mean, I had an epidural. That's (laughs) it. Kristen was screaming. It took everything she had to breathe, crying. And after some long amount of time, like a long amount of time, Nine pounds of glory in my hands, mucky and slimy, he cut the cord, layer on Kristen's chest. And Kristen smiled. I don't know. I've never heard talk, Kristen talk about the pain. I've never heard her talk. We'll talk about Tabby. We'll tell you all about Tabby. Tabby's amazing. Don't run from the pain. Don't hide from the pain. Move towards the pain, actually. The all things new reality God wants to accomplish in the world, sometimes it involves pain. But it's always good. If you, can, if you don't mind my borrowing from Genesis 1. Again, do you remember the constant refrain in Genesis 1? And God saw that it was good, 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 repeated over and over Good. And then the final announcement, and God saw everything that He had made, and indeed, it was very good. 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 Genesis 2. Did you hear what it said in Genesis 2? It's not good. That's what it says. It's not good. That's verse 8. You can look it up. It's not good. This is before the fall. This is before the disobedience. This is before the decision. It's not good. God saw the not good and did something about it. Did something about it. And the thing he did about it was to bring the woman and the man together. And then this line, one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture, and they were both naked and they were not ashamed. No more shame. No more shame. No more shame. God saw the not good and did something about it. No shame. We carry so much shame. So much shame. A few notice it and deal with it. Most of us just act from it. Picked on at recess on the playground because you can't catch, and the The bell sounds, but the sneers and snickers are still loud in your soul. Shame. You did something you can't undo, and you've been replaying it over and over and over. Shame. We carry it, it's deep inside. God saw the not good reality of our world and he did something about it. He gave Noah an ark. He gave Abram a covenant. He gave Hosea a second chance. He gave Joseph a coat. He gave Ruth a lover. He gave Saul conversion. He gave Peter reinstatement. Finally, one day he'll come again and make all things new. And and God acted decisively in Jesus Christ. He saw the not good of the world. He took on flesh. He stooped down. He bent low. He got his hands dirty in Jesus Christ. He took the shame of your life and the shame of our world on himself. He took it with him to the cross. He suffered and died to forgive you. He forgave you. You're forgiven of everything. He took it with him to the grave where it died. Shame goes and he rose up victorious so that you can be free. You can live and love and serve and give. No shame. God saw the not good and did something about it in Jesus Christ. And the thing he did about it is no shame. No more shame. So a couple of hundreds of thousands of people uh, into the millions in Taiwan and Hong Kong and China are singing. I don't know all the details. Don't let me act like I have it all figured out. Uh, Some are singing as a plea for refuge, others a declaration of freedom, others an announcement of praise. I just find it so stunning that a group of people would see a not good reality in the world and start singing, start shouting, start praying to God. The God who makes, the God who sees the not good and does something about it in Jesus Christ.
1: So let's join them. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing alleluia, sing alleluia, sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing Alleluia to the Lord, Sing Alleluia to the Lord, Sing hallelujah. Sing Alleluia, Sing Alleluia to the Lord.
0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, please.